Today's scripture reading will come from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 14. I will be reading from the New King James Version. Again, that is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4, or 11 through 14. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Good morning. So glad to be with you today. Glad to be back with you today. Brianna and I and Ezekiel had a trip to uh, West Kentucky and we were able to be there last weekend and we are back now. So we are glad to be back with you. I have to uh, ask you to excuse Ezekiel today. He is probably going to have the big head. See, Brianna's parents are in town. And, and her mama has told him how beautiful and how smart he is about a million times in the past two days. So if he's hard to deal with today, it's her fault. So just keep that in mind. And actually, uh, we love him. We're thankful that they are here and they'll be here at the second service. Please remember tonight that we're going to have a a uh, reception uh, for the LeMasters family. He is our discipleship minister, and we're thankful he is here, and we will have a time where you'll get to meet them if you haven't met them yet, and I hope that you will be here for that. Let's go to God in prayer as we begin. Our Heavenly Father, you are absolutely amazing, and you love us so much. God, the love that you have for us is just immeasurable, man. Even though we're told that you sent your son to die on a cross, and we can't even imagine what that would take, we're thankful and overwhelmed by your love. Lord, help us today to look at your word and to look at your church and to see what you would have us to do to be your followers. In Christ's name we pray, amen. More than likely, you have already thought about, or you will now, so I mentioned it, what you're going to eat for lunch. It's a pretty big deal. I remember growing up that uh, uh, every Sunday was taken. We went to my grandmother's house. That's just where we went. We, we uh, didn't go out to eat, and part of that was I don't think anywhere was open in Parsons, Tennessee. Any of the two places were open. Uh, but that was something that we uh, did and loved eating together on Sundays and sharing that time together. It was something very special to us. I'm going to ask you a really weird question, which, which is something I, I, I do want you to think about for a second. If I were to say, which restaurant or chain best represents Christianity, what would you say? Some of you already got the answer, you think. Some of you already go, hey, I got this. What restaurant or chain best represents Christianity? And, and more than likely, most people went, it's easy. You, you, you didn't have to think about that one time, and, and you would go, you know what, that's, that's what it is. Now, some people don't like it, and that's okay. That, that's okay, but many people do, and, and many of the reasons people do is because if you go there, it's their pleasure, right? It's nice to be served with a smile and to have that uh, type of attitude give on you, but what if I told you that 
I think Chick-fil-A is a horrible representative of Christianity in one sense. Put your songbooks back down. You ain't got to throw them at me. Okay, just hold on. What if I told you Waffle House is a better representative? They're like, where are we going? <laughs> and there's one chief reason that I think Waffle House might be a better representative. They work on Sundays. See, one of the things that I, I, I greatly respect about Chick-fil-A is they don't. That they allow their people to, to worship or, or do whatever. And that is great for a restaurant, but it is horrible for Christians to think that we don't work today. See, growing up, when I decided I wanted to be a minister, I remember my granddad telling me, you're going to have the easiest job in the world. You only work two days a week. For somebody who was pretty much irreligious, he had talked to a lot of church people because they think that same joke is funny, okay? It's one of those things that he would say, and I went through and explained to him that that is not necessarily the case. And, and he went, oh, I had no idea what went into doing what you do. Well, many times we think the only ones who work today are the ones who are out loud up front and in a tie. If that's the case, then we have failed. Because it is a big deal. We, we, we should be working. And the thing is, one of the reasons Chick, uh, Waffle House uh, does well in one sense is because they know their purpose. They actually have a purpose. Most businesses have a purpose statement. They must know why they exist and know what they do. And you look at this plate, and yeah, their purpose is heart disease. You may be looking going, yeah, that's their purpose. Be careful because they're two founders. One of them lived to 97, one of them lived to 98. So maybe not. Here's what they say their purpose is. Waffle House restaurants have offered an unbeatable combination of great food, outstanding service since 1955. This combination has made it a beloved icon of the South for the past 60 years. Waffle House restaurants provide a unique dining experience where regular customers are greeted by name and enjoy social interaction with their servers and other customers. All food is prepared fresh, cooked to order, and served on real china in a kitchen that is out in front and in full view. The combination of great food and fast service and, uh, and friendly experience makes Waffle House restaurants a truly unique American phenomenon. I will say I've had some truly unique experiences in Waffle Houses, okay? Not going to necessarily go into all those. But they know why they exist. They know what they want the customer to get each time they come. You get that, right? From the way they are designed to, to, to you can see the person cooking your food to having the, the big thing on all the house restoration shows, natural light all the way around, right? It all has purpose. Everything there has purpose and they're not only open on Sundays, they're open 365 days a year. They never close. It's funny, if you check with the National Weather System, they actually have, uh, they use whether uh, Waffle House is what level they're serving as a uh, level of which a threat they have to be able to go serve. FEMA looks at Waffle House. It's pretty crazy. If they are closed, they realize it is something that they must send everybody to. They're open all the time. They, they are there and they are someone who realizes it is important to work constantly. See, when I look and realize that 
They have a purpose, but Jesus has a greater purpose. If I were to say, why did Jesus come to earth? What was his purpose? And, and, and he said in Luke 2, 49, he said, and he said to them, how is it that you sought me, talking to his parents? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? From age 12, I'm not sure what age, <coughs> excuse me, got a little choked up. Um, from age 12, he knew he had a purpose. He said, I must be about my father's business. What I'm doing here on earth, I have a purpose. I have a direction. I know why I am here. He later says in Luke 19.10, I have come to do what? Seek and save the lost. He said, that is my purpose. Jesus had other purposes. He came to show us the Father. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen who? You've seen the Father. All of this was he came to, to bring the kingdom. He came to do these things. In Matthew 16, 18, don't overlook this. He says, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. When Jesus came to earth, he came with a purpose to seek and save the lost. He came here to show people the Father. He came here to make an eternal difference in this world. And can I tell you, that eternal difference is not only done through his sacrifice, but is done through the church he established. There are people who want to denigrate the church and take it. People will say, hey, I, I, just want, I just want Jesus. I don't want his church. Well, you can't have him and not take his wife. He didn't allow that to happen. That, that's not him. He, he, he says that is who we are to be. He came to build his church, and his church is to make a difference in this world, can I ask you, what's your purpose? What's your purpose? Jesus said our purpose is to love the Lord our God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength and love our neighbors as ourselves. There are no commandments greater than these. In Mark, Mark 30, verse 31, he, he tells us to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well, added unto you. And we sit here and look here, we realize in the middle of a discussion in Matthew 6, verses 24 and following, that talks about worry, that talks about money, he said, Ho, I just want to remind you what your purpose is. To seek you first, the kingdom of God. I grew up uh, hearing people and saying we're supposed to seek God first. Yes and no. Seeking God first means seeking his what? Kingdom first. Do you realize his kingdom is where his rule is and his kingdom is, part of his kingdom here on earth is the church. It is to be of utmost importance to us. Let me ask you. What is your purpose in being here today? Of all the places you could be, what, what is your purpose in choosing to be here today? Well, it comes down to what is the church to you? What do you believe the church is? For some people, a, a church is a building. A church is, it, it is a building and it is a place where you go. For some people, it is a place where we go worship. It is tied to a place. What is church to you? Is it a place where you worship or is it a gathering where we come together to serve one another? Is that the purpose of the church? I'd say it is. As you'll look in your Bible classes today, you will see what it looks like when somebody has chosen to serve 
people inside of their church family and what difference that will make to serve one another. Matthew, uh, Hebrews 10, 23, the Hebrew writer said, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who is promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some is, but to encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Is your purpose today by being here for you to say today before I leave here, I want to stir up somebody else, not to anger, not to frustration, but to love and good works and make sure everybody I come in contact with has been encouraged. See, I believe every time we come together, there are people who are ready to quit. There are people whose lives, they are struggling. There are people who are really, they, they don't know how they're going to make it another day. Some are frustrated, some have been hurt. And that's why he stresses when you come together, I love you. Say, make sure you come together to chide one another. No, make sure you come together to stir up, to stimulate one another, to love and good works and do what? And encourage one another as we see that day drawing near. What? The, the day of the Lord's return as we are thinking about that. We want to always encourage one another. See, we have a purpose today, and it is not here to be a consumer. It is to be an encourager, a worker, someone who does what? Works on Sunday. What we are working through in our fall focus is we want everybody in this congregation, everybody in this church family, everybody that's a part of the kingdom of God here in Mount Juliet, first of all, to be connected to Christ and be committed to Christ. We talked about that for a month, four different ways we want to do that. And we also now we want to talk about what it means to be connected to his church. See, we have a purpose. It's not just about, it's not just about Christ because Christ, it is his church. Connecting to Christ means connecting to his church. And if we're going to do that, we must look at every time we come together as an opportunity to serve one another. Every time we come together, an opportunity for all of us to serve, not just paid staff, not just volunteer or appointed staff as, as elders or deacons would be, not just Bible class teachers, but every single person to be here, to be dedicated to serving. Part of the challenge of uh, preaching and teaching on a regular basis is you're always looking for sermons and illustrations. Yes, the Bible has all the, the, the lessons and we look at it, but in order to illustrate, you look everywhere. You, know, you, you preach 150 times a year, you start thinking about things like this. You start thinking about where do I look, and, and that's where the whole Waffle House deal came in. For a while, I realized I go from times of being too connected to my computer, so I started thinking, I like drinking coffee, especially when it doesn't cost a lot. Waffle House has good coffee, natural light is good for reading, and they do not have Wi-Fi. So it's a place I could take my Bible and a notebook and I could go read, and they would keep the coffee coming. And I did this for a while when I was in Spring Hill, and it's amazing what you learn when you sit and observe. It's really funny if I were to tell everything, but I'm not going to. Can I tell you, I learned a lot about the church. 
and what could make the church even better from watching some things there. So if you will, allow me to illustrate some biblical principles with something that I saw and maybe you have seen. I, I think it can be a blessing. What happens when, when Waffle House, the church, and, and Christ all meet? I, I will tell you, I, I asked the, every employee there over a couple month time, I said, what is the best part of working here? They all said the same thing. It was weird. The people. I was in there one day when a person came in and they said they have made it their job to go to every Waffle House in the U.S. And they ordered the same thing and they grade them on how good that is. The person was so upset and was a jerk to them and left them a penny tip and they walked out. And then I asked the waitress, what is your favorite part of working here? They said, oh, the people. After being treated like that, I thought that was interesting. They said, it, it, it's just neat. I said, what's the worst part of working here? What would you expect? The people. It wasn't. It was being understaffed. If you haven't noticed it yet, if you go out to eat today, there will probably be open booths no matter where you go, and it will take you longer to be seated and longer to get your food at most places here in town. Why? Because most of our restaurants here have a very difficult time staffing in the kitchen and staffing enough servers. See, that's something that they all said. I, I remember this young lady, and, and, and I asked her about being under understaffed, and she said uh, there was a day that was pretty busy. And, and she said yesterday was worse. She said every seat in here was full. And in the particular Waffle House in Spring Hill, there were 38 seats, I believe, 36 or 38 different seats. And I started thinking, she said, I was the only server here. And every seat was full, and I went, Wow. If everybody leaves you a dollar and they stay an hour, it's 36 bucks an hour. It's not a bad, bad day. She said, no, people leave upset no matter how hard you try because you can't take care of that many people. She said, I'd rather have two or three tables and really be able to invest in them than to have all these other tables. It's interesting. Do you realize when we look at the churches of Christ in the U.S., if a church is over 600, that is the largest 1%. In other words, 99% of churches, churches of Christ in the U.S. are smaller. That might be shocking to you to realize that the, the majority of congregations, half the congregations are all less than 45. Here's why many people believe that is. That's about the amount of people, people that, that one person can serve. They end up being very pastoral, if you will. They have a preacher who does a lot. And until every minister sees it's their job to minister, they're going to be stuck there. That's sort of where they are. Imagine this. We, we, we think about this. The church had 120 disciples. We look in Acts chapter 1, verses 15 through 26. Jesus is ascending back to heaven. They are gathered together. It says the number of them is 120. And, and within the next day, it was, it goes from that to 3,000. Guess what? They started being in the top 1% of all of them. All of them. They had that many people. What if they decide the only way we can serve everyone, and we've got 12 apostles here, and they're going to serve all 3,000 people? How well would the church have done? It couldn't. If they're meeting from home to home, can I tell you, if all the 12 apostles have a house in that town, which I, I don't think they did, but let's say they did, 
that's a pretty big number to all fit. If you break up 3,000 people, and, and within a, just a short time, it's 5,000 men. So if you double, triple that number, about 15,000 people. What happens is people had to volunteer or be voluntold to serve. <laughs> people had to be willing to step up and, and realize that serving is important. See, one of the worst things that could happen is for this church to be understaffed. And I'm not talking about paid staff. I'm talking about our view of ourselves as we come together every Sunday. Are we here to be served or are we here to serve? One of the things that I learned from going in week after week is that people are important. People are important there. They are told that when you come in, they they want to greet you. uh, We realize that in the church. Jesus says that. Jesus says in Genesis 1.27, so God created, what, mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Every person here is created in the image of God. You are, I am, every single person here. We are important to God, so important that all the things he created, he only created one being in his image, and that is mankind. So much so that when we look at the Great Commission, Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He says, what I want you to do, everyone's created my image, then you go and teach everyone. We have to realize that every single person is a soul, and everyone is important. When we go through Luke chapter 15, You may read about the lost sheep and go, boy, I'm glad they found that animal. Isn't that nice? They found that sheep. And you celebrate. And your person loses one of the coins, and she searches all days and calls everybody else. Boy, I'm glad they found that money. But which story is it here? Which one of these lessons sticks closest to you? I'm going to guess it's probably about the boy who came home. Because many of us, and we should see ourselves, Every one of us is that man who came home. And we realize what it's like, that that's the, the point. This is a, the, in this chapter, the stories build. There's some people who relate to, to sheep, some people that relate to money, and he goes, wow, what does it be like to have a child who was lost, now is found, who has left and has come back? People are important to God, and we must make sure everybody who's here knows they are important to him. There's a verse in the Bible that is a, uh, in some ways, a, a struggle verse. Because it is a verse that says, I have a responsibility. And as Paul says in Romans 13, they owe no man anything but to love one another. So that's what we owe each other. You owe me this morning. And I owe you this morning. We owe each, each person here, we owe that, that to know that we love one another and to show that we love one another. How do we show people they're important? I think one of the ways we do that is we greet each other and make sure everybody knows they are welcome. First Thessalonians 5.26 says, greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I'm not sure if there's any holy kissing going on at the Waffle House, okay? I'm not sure that's happening, but I will tell you, everyone needs to know they're important, and we show them they're important when we greet them. When we take the time to acknowledge them, 
Now, what I realize is in a congregation this size, you are so scared that if you introduce yourself to someone and you feel like they just started coming here, that they'll tell you they've been here for a few years and you will feel dumb. Well, don't. It's their fault for not introducing themselves to you sooner, okay? I mean, it goes all the way around, right? What if everybody chose to greet everybody? Let's do this differently. What if you chose to greet everyone that you were in within six feet of? Because what happens if you're over here and you're like, I need to greet that person over here, it's going to be hard to get to them before Bible class. But if we just said, you know what, in this section we're going to greet one another, in this section we're going to greet one another, in this section, everybody said, I'm going to take care of my section, I'm going to make sure everyone here is greeted, then everybody would be greeted. Everyone they would know they're important and realize they are more important than they could ever realize. In Spring Hill, there was a cook at the Waffle House, his name was Frank, and if Frank was there, everything was better. Within one time of going in there, he knew your name. He asked you, and he could remember it. He had a gift I do not have. It was absolutely amazing. He was someone that, that was always had that, that, that thought, hey, what's your name? And, and he would tell, and as you're leaving that day, he said, I'll see you soon, Craig. And then as you come in the next time, there's something about greeting people and wanting to do that that makes people feel important. A few months ago, I preached a sermon on ABCs of church. That when we come together, we want to make sure everybody is what? We go through, they are given attention, they know that they belong, and they are giving care and comfort. We owe that to each other each week. And, and the thing is, if we come in thinking somebody should give that to me and you're a Christian here, then you're taking off on Sundays and you don't get to do that. It is about me coming in and realize I'm to work today. Everybody here is to work and to make sure that we are showing other people love and care, and they know they are important. Another thing, and part of that is to remember that we are here to serve. We're the, not the customers. <coughs> There's different models of church. Philip used a, a similar uh, thing last week, talk about ministers, uh, what happens when one tries to minister to a group versus when there's a lot of ministers ministering. Consumer church says, church is seen as a dispenser of religious goods and services. People come to church to be fed, to have their needs met. They want quality programs. They, they want to have professionals to teach their children about God. The other is missional churches, a body of people on a mission who gather in community to worship. There's community, there's encouragement, and there's teaching of the Word in addition to what, what they are self-feeding themselves throughout the week. There's a difference, is there not? See, some people church shop, and you want to see where, where it is I want to be, and it's where will my needs be met the most. And can I say that? I, I understand that concept. But what happens if we come here and we are set up to be consumers, we will never get enough. Not only that, we will never contribute the way God wants us to. What if we come together and realize we're on a mission to teach, to love, to encourage, and come together each week? We have to know that. What if every member here saw themselves as a minister? What difference would it make? Jesus, the Son of God, the King of heaven and earth, comes to earth. And what, what, we, what is said about him in Mark 10, verse 45? For even the Son of Man did not come to serve, be served, but to serve and get himself as a ransom for many. 
Amazing. He came as a servant. Paul said, let this mind be you, which is also in Christ Jesus, to find out what is that mind if we go back, backwards in, in Philippians chapter 2. He says, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort and love, any participation of the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count one another more significant than yourselves. Let each one of you not look out for your own interest, but for the interest of others. What if we did that this morning? Would anybody leave here feeling lonely or unloved or unappreciated or unimportant? Paul says in Galatians, do what? Love and serve each another. That's how we fulfill you love your neighbor as yourself. I think there's something else that if we look at this, we, we owe each other, and it's a, it's a pretty big deal. It's transparency. It's important, I think, that we know and, and realize that each person here sins. We're told this in, in, in Scripture. That's one of the reasons Waffle House, they cook everything out in front of you so you can see it. Can I promise you there's restaurants you do not want to see what's behind those doors? I think it's neat to be able to see that. You see everything that goes on there. What happens when you're a part of a church where everybody realizes they sin? Well, we encourage one another a lot. We learn to forgive one another a lot. We show compassion to one another often. We realize the sinfulness that others have, and we want them to, to have Jesus because Jesus is the cure for that sin. I'll go ahead and, and let you know something. You have a preacher who struggles with sin. That's part of being human. I, it is. We have a congregation that struggles with sin. That's what Paul says, right? For all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God, he is obvious and open about this. And you may be saying, not me. And if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. 1 John 1, verse 8. It is there, it is real, it is something we look at. And when we realize this, we show care and concern to one another. That's why James says in James 5, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. What an awesome thought. That is why we exist together. To not go through this life alone as Christians, we join together and we are able to do this. I laugh. One day, uh, I was the, the only customer in Waffle House. And, and I, as I was working, I was reading, and my eyes were watering so bad, I thought I was going to have to go to the eye doctor. I'm like, something is wrong with me. Well, uh, what I heard one of the workers say to the other is, did you get all those onions cut up yet? I said, so y'all don't do that out front here? They said, no, we try to do that in the back and carry out what we don't need out to the garbage pretty quick. He said, but we haven't carried it out quick enough. I'm like, evidently. Um, Even when we try to hide stuff, can I tell you, people know. It's better to share. 
and allow people to walk through life with you. That's why we exist, to serve one another. Another thing that I think is big is you work for the good of the group, especially when it's not going to be seen by everyone. Those of you who have worked in the restaurant business realize this called side work. You may have gotten gone somewhere to eat and you got uh, your silverware and on the little paper wrapper, it has somebody's initials. Because it shows that that's the one who wrapped that and they have to wrap so many a day before they can go home. What they do at Waffle House is they have to prepare everything for the next shift. When you come up and they've got all the different things to go on the hash browns, whether it's the onions or, or, or you look and you've got the tomatoes or whatever, the ham, whatever, the group before us who cuts that up ready for the next group. We realize that those who are servers, uh, I think when I talked to them, they said that they make two thirty-two an hour plus tips. So if nobody's in there, they're doing all this side work, not for their benefit, but for theirs. What happens when we come to church and we work for somebody else's benefit? What happens? It is amazing what, what happens there. Paul, Paul says this, that each one of us has different talents and abilities. In Romans 12, verse 3, it says, For by the grace of God, grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to his own measure of faith assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are in one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We have a responsibility to one another. Everybody serves to make a difference for someone else. I also learned that children and older people are very important. If you've ever been there, you see that they, uh, they pay special attention to children. They're told to, and they give out these little hats. You may not know this, if they give your child one of these hats and you go back the next time and carry the hat with you, the child gets a free waffle. Philip, did you know that? Philip usually knows how to get free food. That, that's, you need to, you know, need to know that. They know the parents will have to buy something if you come back for the waffle, but they want to show them they're important. There's more than once that I have seen a server cut up food for an older person who needed it done. To show that kindness, to make sure, and to realize today while you are here that you don't just look out for your friends, that you look out for little ones, that you look out for older ones, and that also the older ones look out, and we make sure we are here serving together. Jesus says, let the little children come to me, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as them. It is a big deal. And the thing is, we do this all with joy. We do it all with joy. I, I want to go back to Frank. When Frank was working and cooking there, there was nothing better. Why? Because Frank, if there was no music playing in the jukebox, he would go play music and he would sing. And if he walked by your, your, uh, your table, it didn't matter that his job was to be the cook. He filled up your coffee. He did anything. He learned your name. And one day I talked to him, and, and, and this is not Frank, by the way, but uh, this is a smiling person at Waffle House. thought it was a good picture. And I said, Frank, you know, food tastes better when the person smiles while they're cooking and serving it. It just does. It just does. Can I tell you? God's people come together goes better when we're smiling and showing love to one another. It's just, it's just better that way. To show the joy of Christ. And, and what is 
The psalmist say, serve the Lord with gladness and come before his presence with singing. It makes all the difference in the world when we come together and realize we are working today and we are going to do what God has called us to do. Here's the thing. What if you forget to do your job? What if you get distracted today and you forget to do your job as a servant and to serve one another in love? I know what happened... Uh, it was interesting. When, again, when you go to a restaurant enough, you get to know all the people in there. And there was one waitress that she was working, you were not going to have a good day because she liked to pull the other servers around and gossip about the servers who weren't there. You know what happens when that happens? Your coffee doesn't get refilled. It just doesn't. She forgot why she was there. Today, have you forgotten why you were here? Because here's what happens. If I forget why I'm here, to love one another, to encourage one another to good works, to find a way to serve, if I forget that, what happens is if we are not determined that each and every one of us are working on Sundays, if we don't do our job, then people leave here feeling unwanted, unwelcome, unimportant, and unloved. God forbid this happen. We want everybody who's here to know they are wanted to know they are welcome, to know they are important, to know they are loved. Why? Because God loves them, and we as his children, let's think about as his servants, want to be people, because that's what Jesus did. Jesus made people feel wanted and welcome and important and loved, and we want to do the same thing when we come together. There is a great emphasis in this world on evangelism, and we should be evangelistic, but we are told to serve one another. That is Christian serving Christian in love as we are here today. And we always need more servants. What if we were to commit to this vision of being committed to the church and everybody did, did their job and did their role, what could happen? It'd be amazing. For everybody here to say, today I'm going to work. I'm going to not only worship, I'm not only just going to go be a part of this group of God's people. I'm going to go and I'm going to encourage people today. I'm going to pray with people today. I'm going to make sure people know their love today. I'm going to teach people today. I'm going to find a way to serve. What happens when we do that? The church grows in joy. The church grows in spirituality. The church grows in what? Love. And that's what we want to do. Today, can we help you? Today, if you're not a Christian, we want you to be a part of this church family. We want you to give your life to Christ, be baptized, miss your sins. Today would be an awesome day to do this. Today, if you're a Christian, you realize that you've been taken off every Sunday, let me ask you to punch back in. And let's show up each time to work, to serve one another. And by doing that, we are serving the Lord. If we could pray for you about that, we would love to. Or today, you may be saying, Craig, I see my church family surround me and pray for me. We would love to do that. If we can help you with this, would you come now while we stand and while we sing?